I'm really excited to share today's interview with you all. We are speaking to John Saunders, exploring the topic of incremental change. I think this is a really important consideration as we move into the future of work and transform our organizations. And our interview with John is sprinkled with super practical tips to get you started. So let's dive into it. Today on Work Upgraded, I am pleased to welcome John Saunders for a guest interview. John spent more than two decades as a Wall Street Senior Vice President, Sales Team Leader and award-winning sales executive. He followed his passion for helping others grow and founded a coaching consulting company, Forward Advisory Solutions. John is a member of the Georgetown University MBA Alumni Advisory Council, a regular contributor to the MBA Mentorship Program and an active angel investor. He has also recently released his book called The Optimizer, which explores how we can build and lead teams of serial innovators. And that's what we dive into today in his interview on Work Upgraded. Hi, John. Thank you so much for joining me on Work Upgraded today. I'm really looking forward to our um, conversation. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, I guess where I usually like to start with these conversations is just to hear a little bit about your journey. Uh, so I know you've recently released your book called The Optimizer, um, but where did this all kind of begin for you? You know, right out of, as a young kid, my parents got me thinking about investing very early on. Uh, when I was probably three or four, they bought me a mutual fund. They did it for all their children. And so my whole life, I was always paying attention to investing. Now, my dad would show me the uh, Wall Street Journal and things like this and try to show me what he was thinking about. And that's really how he, you know, kind of made a living. He had a job, but he also invested always. And that really helped him out over the long haul. So my whole life, I had this investing mindset. And when I got out of school, undergraduate school, uh, I moved to New York City. I grew up in Wisconsin and started working for an asset management firm and came in, <clears throat> you know, young person started just thought, gosh, I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to, you know, work hard and show up earlier and stay later and this kind of thing. And sooner or later, that strategy wasn't enough, right? You know, you have to start to do something different besides work hard. And <clears throat> what I found was there's a number of ways to continue to grow, but it's often through the help of others. And so I sought a lot of mentorship and asked a lot of people for advice when I'd hit roadblocks and that helped me immensely. And so my career from there took off, did a lot of outside the box thinking through the help of others, approached the career differently, continued to educate myself. And I went from literally sales assistant where I was, you know, answering phones and doing complete support work for a sales team to running a $4 billion division. And then fast forward 2019, uh, you know, your listeners might know Wall Street's been in a bit of a consolidation mode in the last number of years, and my firm got sold, and it was, you know, it's a, a pretty uh, interesting deal to leave, so I took it, and that afforded me the privilege of going out, if you will, and, and I don't use the word privilege lightly at all, I could really appreciate the opportunity I had, that I could go out and think about what do I really want to do next after spending 23 plus years on Wall Street, and so someone said, write a paper. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And put it on LinkedIn or something. Another friend said, make it a series. Good idea. Another friend helped me fine tune it. And a professor of mine said, I think you have a book here. <laughs> and I said, oh man, I, you know, I'm just trying to write a paper. This thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And uh, 
going back to another gal's advice that I got, she said, if you want to figure out what to do next, she said, immerse yourself in something and your value proposition will manifest itself. And I remember thinking, what is she talking about? And as I went through this book journey, I really saw that. So literally at an event one night, immersing myself in this kind of startup venture capital world is where I was looking. And I'm talking to this gentleman and just started asking him questions about his business that he was trying to get off the ground. And he looks at me and he said, can we hire you to do that? <laughs> and I said, do what? <laughs> and he said, coach us like this. And I was like, what? Oh, I was just asking you questions. <laughs> and literally that was my first client and it's just really kind of grown from there. Yeah, awesome. Um, so for my listeners, I don't know that many of them will have had the opportunity to read your book yet, um, but what would you kind of describe as the main thesis of that book? Sure. As a leader, you're inextricably tied to leading change, right? Three months, six months, 12 months from now, your business is going to change. It's going to evolve for any variety of reasons, external forces, internal forces, the market, client demands, what have you. And so as a leader, you need to drive change. And as it turns out, Lauren, change is what people fear the most. It's not because they don't want to change or get better. It's because embracing change can create negative outcomes for them. Right? If I try something new and it doesn't work, and then I go to my boss and my manager and say, oh man, I tried this and it didn't work. They might say, well, that was goofy. Why did you do that? Why didn't you just do what you were supposed to do? Why are you innovating? Right? <laughs> Which sounds ridiculous to say out loud, but I've seen it and many times. And so what I found is if you can help people think in a very incremental, constant improvement mindset, one, fantastic change can happen over time. It just takes, it's not going to happen tomorrow. And it never does, by the way. And it's, and two, it helps people overcome the emotional burden of change because they're just taking incremental steps. And then if they miss, it's not a big miss. And it helps them think in this mindset of how do I constantly get better? Or the question I always like to put to people is, how do you each week ask yourself is what I did, was it helping me get more efficient and effective? And you can't pick one. And so finding that balance between those two things and just focus on continuous growth can deliver big results over time and help you overcome that emotional burden. Yeah, excellent. That's, a, that's the thesis of the book, really. Yeah, beautiful. Is there a particular moment in your career or working with one of your clients that gave you that aha moment when you realized how important this idea of incremental growth is? Yeah, I was, <clears throat> excuse me. When I was working on Wall Street, we were going through a massive change initiative and adoption was slow unsurprisingly. We were asking salespeople to operate in a very different capacity than that. So some of them had for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. We had a very tenured sales force in many cases. And we were saying, you know what? You need to do it totally differently now. And going from sort of a traditional salesperson information deliverer to a really consultative salesperson where you take the time to understand their needs and deliver real value solutions, which sounds, again, I'm talking about 2011, but to say it out loud today almost sounds absurd, but you know, this was a big transition and we had all these new tools. We had all this training and adoption was slow. And what I asked everyone to do was, Hey, I think this is going to work, but we're in this together. Let's figure it out. Continue to experiment. And I try to get everyone to think about one area to experiment on that they could really deliver results on. And two of my top innovators, I'll call them or optimizers, <clears throat> uh, actually began to research and ask clients, hey, how could we use this? What's the best way to get this done? Because that was what I modeled for them. I would constantly go to my team and say, hey, 
if you were me, how would you get this done? And they gave me that feedback. Not only did it help me grow as a leader and understand how to run the business better, but it gave them great confidence that I was actually doing what I was saying is what I was going to do, which is we're in this together, this collaborative mindset. And so fast forward, these two guys figured out a way to take these consulting tools and not only deliver them to our clients in a typical 30, 60 minute meeting, but they developed this offsite model, if you will, where they take clients out of their office for three, four or five hours and really dive deeply into the content and have a much better outcome. And I actually had them train my entire team on that. And it took probably a year, really fast forwarding a, a story here, to get through this process I'm describing. But once they trained my own team on it, adoption took off and results took off. And suddenly people all over the company were asking, you know, what are you guys doing over there? You know, how did you build a billion dollar franchise in this new product set that no one seems to be able to sell? This is how we did it. This incremental change, challenging them to get better in a non-threatening way and focusing on growth. Yeah. Is there a particular objection or resistance that you see leaders take when you introduce this idea of serial innovation or that um, growth mindset to them? Yes. <laughs> I already talked to my team about growth, so they should do it. <laughs> and what leaders oftentimes overlook is that it can take five, six, seven times to tell somebody what it is you're trying to get done. And what I also see a lack of, of clarity on or a, an issue with is lack of clarity. They say something, they don't make the message simple enough and it gets lost. But mm. because they said it out loud, they think, oh, well, this is now one of our new 10 commandments, if you will. And it's simply not. And they can't understand why change isn't occurring. And oftentimes what it comes back to is not only did they miss the message, but they don't believe if they take this risk, it's worth it to them and it won't have repercussions for them. And that's the connection that leaders need to draw and why serial incremental change is so important because it helps people get over that hurdle of, man, if I get this wrong, it could be a big mistake. In this circumstance I'm describing is it's unlikely because we're always focusing on small change and that can lead to big over time. Yeah, awesome. So do you think that serial innovation has a, a place in the future of work? Do you think this is something companies are going to need to adopt more as we move into a world that's much more automated and our jobs are changing in nature? 100%, because I think the pace of change is only going to accelerate. It already is moving at an incredible pace. Uh, and as that happens, you're gonna need a team, one, that's highly engaged, because if they're not engaged in the journey you're on and these, pro these problems arise, they're going to float around. These problems are going to kind of linger for some time. So you need them in this mindset to say, hey, I need every week, how do I think about getting things, improving things, making it better around here? And we need to have that trusting relationship for me to be able to do that. And you need it as a leader because change is coming at you at a rapid pace and, and you need a workforce that's ready to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. I could imagine that there's a lot that leaders need to get in place to bring this into reality in their um, in their workplace. So you mentioned there that you know teams need need to feel safe to experiment with something and and maybe have it not quite go wrong. Um, they need to come up overcome their own sort of mindset changes towards uh, the scope of changes that they start with. And I'm sure there's many other things. Um, do you have any recommendations for leaders who might want to start taking on this sort of incremental change approach in their own organization? Like where would they even start? One of my favorite exercises is go onto Google and type in my manager is, and right, you know, how Google auto populates like seven yep. or eight options. 
go type that into Google and stop it is and see what comes up. And I can tell you right now that it is a very rare circumstance that any of them are positive. My manager is a micromanager. My manager is mean to me. My manager is, I mean, it's the list goes on. So I would tell you to start there just to have a bit of a glimpse. I mean, if Google, the largest search engine in the world, is, is it what it's auto-populating on my manager is? I think it's a moment for pause and to reflect on how do I interact with my team? What kind of trust have I built with these folks? Do they believe I'll do what I say I'm going to do? Do we have clarity of our mission? Are we all behind the same values? And I think if you can answer those questions first, uh, <clears throat> but with that mindset, that, that understanding of where employees are coming from, I think that's a really important starting point. And then going to your team and asking them, what's it like working around here? How can I help you more? These are the kind of exercises that can really drive change in an organization and create awareness for leaders to really understand what's blocking them. Many times they think it's some competition or my employees are lazy or this kind of thing. I would argue the block is between the human interaction. And that's really a big part of what my thesis is about in coaching and in the book. Yeah, amazing. Uh, my experience definitely supports that observation that you've made as well. Um, so I kind of started out my career in consulting, um, management consulting with some of the bigger firms. And I worked in lots of different teams and it didn't matter which team I was in and what sorts of problems we were solving on the outside. I always saw some level of breakdown in how the people in that situation were working together that I was like, this is actually your biggest blocker to unlocking what's going on. Because usually you have the right smarts in your team. You know, you've got people who are very skilled and motivated under the right conditions. And it's just the glue that kind of holds that team together that's broken down. It's rarely a technology or a, 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 a product missing or something. It's, it's a people problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I love your um, very simple, straightforward suggestions to start unpicking what that problem is. Uh, what about for managers who, you know, they're not the top of the pile in their organization and they may need to kind of sell this idea to their bosses in order to start implementing it within the teams that they lead. What advice would you give them? Yeah, working, uh, you know, sort of doing this up can be a tricky circumstance, right? It's easier to do down, but if, if, you, wanna, if you wanna do it up, my best advice is go out and ex execute this with someone in your life, either your own team, uh, a mentee in your life, you know, play around with it. It's like, just as my book in the incremental mindset uh, talks about, go through some iterations of this and get it right, and then take it back to your, to your manager, right? Once you have a bit of a track record saying, hey, I tried this, it worked, here's been the results, and maybe we could think about taking this across our whole team. Uh, you know, get their temperature on it first. Sometimes managers, you know, they, they don't like this idea because they're fearful. And they also think, gosh, if I bring this out and I ask people what it's like working with me, they might tell me something I don't want to hear, right? Or I'll have to execute on a, an idea I don't agree with. Well, this is where leadership plays an important role. If the idea has no chance of making your business better, you might have to tell them no or table it for six or 12 months, which I've done and encourage people to do. Keep a list of these ideas if you can't use them today uh, and save them for another day. But if I'm a sort of a lower level manager trying to encourage a boss to do it, go out and find a way to manufacture this on your own. Maybe it's through a volunteer organization, uh, but find a way to do it on your own through a mentee, a volunteer work, or maybe your own team. Experiment a little bit and then go back to your manager with it to say, I tried this, here's what happened. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Because then you're coming from a place of evidence. You've, you've got a clear story where you've seen it succeed. Um, yes. Always makes the sell a lot easier. Is there a particular example of serial innovation or incremental change that you that really excites you that you've seen one of your clients manage to achieve? Just getting people to think in this mindset is so important, but creating a framework for them. So I'll give you an example. One of the frameworks I really love to work with clients on, particularly in business development, is getting your team to think about what is the process that I use to execute on my role, which might sound like a simple question to some, but a lot of sales folks don't think about this. They just yeah. kind of go out and say, I'm a sales guy, so I can you know, figure it out on the fly. Uh, developing a process, getting buy-in from the team on what that process looks like. I'm not trying to create automatons where everybody does the same thing, but have a process so we know if you had a result, a success, it's repeatable. <clears throat> Thinking about building your brand, you know, your brand, Jeff Bezos famously said, is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And I challenge people, especially business development folks, to think about when you go met with, you just met with this client, what did they say about you after they left to their coworker, their colleague, their business partner, what have you? Uh, and so having a process, you know, not setting it in stone, continuing to refine it, thinking about brand building, which is a lot about how you present yourself and continuing to learn. Uh, and that all of this rolls under, how do you get more efficient and effective all the time or constantly optimize what you do? And thinking through that mindset and developing that simple framework, I found so important to help people grow their business. Uh, literally, uh, when I think of my days on, on Wall Street, that's that simple strategy I just laid out is how we built the largest ETF franchise in the entire organization. That's what I did. I worked on a process. I helped people develop their brands and focused on constant improvement. And we took an unknown product set and turned it into the largest a billion dollar franchise. So it absolutely can work. And it's about simplification, building trust, and getting people to think in this mindset. Yeah. And, and I love that other nugget that was kind of buried in there is um, helping others to build their brands. Like, I think often when we think about building brand, it's, it's a mindset we apply to ourselves. But obviously, if you're in charge of a team who are out there and their brand matters to how well they perform their job, helping them figure out the right way to do that will be super powerful. It's a, it's a big exercise. And I think it's one that just often gets not even thought about. And yeah. so that is, that is something I spend a lot of time with clients working on is that very question. And oftentimes when I even bring the, the thought up, the big question mark appears over their head, you know, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> and they soon discover that it's a pretty powerful engine to get things done. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, I've really enjoyed exploring serial innovation um, a little bit with you today. If there was one, uh, piece of advice or one practical tip that you would give to listeners that they could maybe go out to do and do tomorrow or next week, where should they start? Other than obviously that fantastic Google question to ask. Yeah. If there's one thing that you can do right now to, to reignite, if you're feeling stalled, if you will, if you go and ask someone for help, people are willing to help you, but it takes you being a bit vulnerable to go and say to someone, hey, Lauren, I'm kind of stuck on this. What would you do here if you were me? That simple question I just said has done so many things for my career, I can't even tell you. Because one, it celebrates the genius that you think this person has, which presumably you do. Two, it puts you in this vulnerable position. So it opens, it takes, it, it takes you to a deeper discussion with that person. When you act vulnerable, it creates vulnerability in other people many times. <clears throat> 
and seek that advice out. And I think what you'll find is one, people are very willing to help you. And two, they'll help you unearth something that you hadn't even considered yet. And honestly, if you think about my own career in my book, it's essentially three inflection points of me asking people for help <laughs> when I was stuck. And it's a simple act, but again, so many people are afraid to do it. They see it as a sign of weakness. I would argue it's a sign of strength. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I liked what you said there as well about it sort of is celebrating the expertise that you see that they have, um, which is a really way, good way to give back to your network that I think we forget about sometimes. For sure. Excellent. Um, if listeners are interested in finding out more about what you're currently working on um, or just following to hear more insights about this, what's the best place to find you? Sure. Uh, my website is just my name, John with an H-C Saunders, S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S.com. Uh, and I'm pretty easy to find on Instagram, Twitter, these places, uh, JCS uh, underscore optimizer, like the book title, my JCS just being my initials. Brilliant. And that's and, optimizer with a Z for my Australian listeners, because <laughs> we do it a little <laughs> bit differently here normally with an S. Yes, awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I found, I personally found that conversation really valuable and I'm sure my listeners did too. So thank you very much. Lauren, great to meet you. Thanks for having me on the show. No worries. Thanks, John.